Good morning and welcome in the name of our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, truly it is a delight to be with God's people this morning to come and to worship our great and our glorious God. We have a few announcements to make this morning. If you turn to the back of your bulletin, you will see some of them there. You may already be smelling that aroma from downstairs. It makes the old tummy rumble at this time, but we have our fellowship meal after morning worship. Um, If you're visiting with us and perhaps you thought, well, I didn't bring anything, never worry. There's always plenty to go around, so please come downstairs. Let's break bread together and let's fellowship one with another after morning service. This evening, I'm very thankful, if you can't tell by my croaky voice, that Pastor Steve Meister is going to be coming up from IBC in Sacramento to bring God's word to us. So be praying for our brother for safe travel and mercies, and also as he brings forth the word uh, this evening. Uh, Point number three, if you would like to send boxes with Operation Christmas Child, today's the day. If you've forgotten, sorry, your time is up. Um, If you maybe speak to me after, we could push it out a little while, but don't tell anyone else that. In previous years, the church is going to cover the cost of the shipping. If you get it to me, I will take care of it. This year, we're attaching barcodes that will go with your name, and you'll actually be able to see where the box ends up. So if you're interested, please rustle something up together as quick as possible so I can get it to the destination that's needed. And then one for us as a church that we need to be praying about this week We plan this upcoming um, Saturday to go out into our community. We preach that we will go take the word out. Now we need to be men and women that do that very thing. And so we plan to meet here at at about 10.30 on Saturday morning. There will be um, invitations and um, little leaflets to hand out to invite people in around our neighborhood and those in surrounding areas. Um, If you're able, please come. It's always a wonderful time of encouragement when we do come and be able to hand out these things and even at times talk to people, and if not, just leaving them that invitation to come to our service the following Lord's Day. These are all the announcements, and of course we make them subject to the will of our glorious God. Before we come to what we're about this morning and worshiping our great God, let's spend a few moments in silence. And let's quieten our thoughts and our hearts as we come to worship our great God. Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of Revelation. In Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11, where it says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. 
From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepresses of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Let us together now worship our King as we join in singing hymn number 216, Crown Him with Many Crowns. 216. If you're able, please stand to sing. If you will please remain standing and turn forward to hymn number 423. Approach my soul, the mercy seat. 423.
Please be seated. And now let us come to God in prayer. Let us all pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we come this morning with adoration and praise for the great God that you are. Even as we come in an attitude of prayer, even as we've sung, we're reminded that we are to come and approach your throne. And we do so, nothing in and of ourselves, but all of you and all of Christ. Lord, we come before you on this your day to worship and to praise you. We come to worship the great I am. The God indeed who is past, present and future. Our God who knows all things. Our God who knows the very hair on our head. The fears in our hearts and the burdens that we bear. And we come this morning and we lay ourselves before your throne in need of your presence this very day. Lord, we thank you for this one day that you've given us that can be set aside to come and to worship with God's people. And even this morning, when we raise our voices together, how it encourages us and stirs up our souls. Lord, we pray this day that you would meet with your people. That you would meet with each of us at the point of our needs. For every head that is bowed, O Lord, each circumstance is different, and yet you know each and every one. You indeed, O Lord, are worthy of praise. You indeed, O Lord, are worthy of honor. But you're also a God who has told us that there will come a day when each of us will give an account for those things that have been given to us. And this morning we're even reminded that indeed we are bowed down beneath a load of sin. Lord, even today in this past week, how we have sinned against you and sinned against others, both in thought, word, and deed. Lord, we ask that we would Bring those sins and confess them to you. Lord, you know us. You know our hearts. You know our minds. Lord, we pray that we would do what James has told us to do and look in that mirror and to see ourselves for what we are. We're in need of Christ in these days. We are in need of that forgiveness of our sins. And so this morning we come and we confess them before you. Lord, at times we love ourselves more than we love others, or you. We ask that you would forgive us. At times when we can be proud and arrogant and thinking that our way is the only way, Lord, we pray that you indeed would humble us, that you would show us from your word that it is the things that are written in those pages that we are to love our lives by. 
And Lord, we pray for even those in our congregation who know you not. Even through the trials of this past week and the many things that have come up, we pray, O Lord, that some even this morning would be asking, where would I be? Lord, we pray that salvation would come to this house today. For those of us, our believers, and encourage our hearts that you tell us and your promises are true that as far as the east is from the west, O oh Lord, our sins are forgiven. Lord, help us in these days to be faithful to those promises, to root out those darling sins that beset us, not merely chopping them off at the surface, but, O oh Lord, help us to grab them by the root and pull them out, whatever they may be. Lord, in these days, help us to be more like Christ. We come this morning and we give you thanks for a God who indeed sustains. And even the remembrance of those who in days gone past have given their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy this very hour. Lord, we would be amiss not to come and to thank you, O God, for the peace that we enjoy in these days. Lord, we're reminded even this day of those men and women who fell on different fields and on different battlegrounds for peace and for freedom in this land and in other lands across the world. Lord, we thank you for their service and their sacrifice on our behalf. Lord, help us never to take these things for granted. For the Lord, we come this morning and we remember each and every one of them. Those who have fallen in world wars, those who have fallen in battle, even those who have fallen in days gone past and serving us as police and different officers of the law. Lord, we thank you for them. But we cry, O oh Lord, even as we think of wars and rumors of wars in our lands in these days and in far-off places, we pray that you, O oh Lord, would bring peace. We know that man can do so much. But ultimately, O oh Lord, it is you that will cease them. And so we pray for those lands that are dealing with difficulties for Israel, for Ukraine, for even the church, O oh Lord, that is being persecuted in far-off places. Lord, if it be in your will, turn the hearts of men and turn them to peace in these days. O oh Lord, we bring before you the needs of our church and our gathering here this morning. They are many. But yet we come to a God who is a good and a faithful God. Even this past few weeks and the prayers that have ascended on behalf of little Charlotte and her family, Lord, we do thank you that you have sustained this little one thus far. Lord, you indeed are a good God. You're a God who heard the prayers of saints here and in far off places. And you've answered them. And yet we come, O oh Lord, and we ask that you would continue to answer them. Lord, we pray for this little one's life. Even the months that you have preserved her thus far have been by your hand. But we ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to do so. That you would keep her from any infection at this time. That you would heal her little body that you would enable the medical staff there to do all that they need to do without any hassle or any, any things coming up to prevent. 
Lord, we pray for her little body in these days. We pray that you would continue to heal it and knit it together. We pray for those who look on and who are there by our bedside for our parents, Lord. We ask that you would be with Mark and Nicole especially. Lord, we thank you for even the example they are to us in these days of deep trials, and yet their faith is firmly rooted in you. We ask, O oh Lord, that that would continue, that you indeed would be that bulwark that never fails, that refuge and that strong tower that we can come to. And we ask, O oh Lord, that they would be leaning heavily upon you today, the days to come, and even in the months that have gone past, we see your care and provision for them. O oh Lord, we pray for them. Encourage their hearts this day. Even as they've sung this morning or listened in, Lord, we pray that they would know indeed that you are a good and a faithful God. We pray for their going out and their coming in that you would sustain and help. For the many needs that fall before them, we pray that each and every one of them would be met. Even put it on the burden of our hearts here as members of this congregation to, to enable and to help and to equip in any way that we can, Lord. Your word tells us that when one of our members are hurting, that we all hurt. And so this morning we come as a body together to lift them up before your throne. We pray for their children. We thank you for each and every one of them. We pray for them even through this hard time that you would help them even in their minds as they think and wonder. Lord, we pray that even some would come to saving faith in you through it. And what we pray for them, we pray for many who look on, many who see that indeed our lives are in your hands, O oh Lord. And we ask that many, even through this hard and difficult time, would come to salvation in Christ. Lord, we pray for the wider family circle. We pray for the sires and the Bernardos that you would enable and help them, even as grandparents as they look on, that you would equip and help them. Encourage their hearts in these days. Even for those with heavy, heavy burdens, we pray that you would lift them up. Lord, we do pray for us as a body in these days that we would be on our knees much for this situation and indeed many situations that fall before us. There are many in this room, O oh Lord, this morning with trials and difficulties. Lord, you know them. Meet each of them at the point of their need. Even this morning, we pray for our own pastor who's far away from us in Scotland and England. We pray that you would enable and help him even over these next few days as he conducts that funeral service on Tuesday, that you would give him that courage that he needs, give him that strength that he needs, give him that clarity of thought to proclaim the true gospel. We pray, O oh Lord, that even as many listen and watch on who know you not, Lord, may it be even through this difficulty and hardness and, and this time of death that many, O oh Lord, would ask, where would I be if that were me? Lord, we pray for our morning worship this morning. We ask that you would meet with us, that you would close us in with yourself, that indeed, O oh Lord, we would be still and know that you are God. 
you've given us this time to set aside the things of this world and the many cares and concerns to come and to focus on you. This morning we pray that we would do that very thing. Take away any distractions from us. Clear our minds and our thoughts of anything that would distract us from focusing upon your word. And may it be, O Lord, that as we read your word, as we have it expounded, that you would encourage us through it. That we as your people would see our great and our glorious God and that we would cry unto you, Abba, Father. Lord, be with us. Encourage our hearts. For we ask it in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. Our consecutive reading this morning takes us to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, and we're going to read together verses 16 through 32. Here we have the account where our Lord is mocked, where he's beaten, where he's scourged where that crown of thorns is placed upon his head. And he does it for you and I. Sometimes we can read these and we're not moved in any way. But this is our Savior that we read off this morning. This is Christ and him crucified. For what? For you and I. This morning as we read these words, think of your Savior. Think of the one who bled and who died on your behalf. If you don't know Christ this morning, read these as the one, the only one who can give you life. The only one who can give everlasting life. The one who bled and the one who died for sinners. If that's you this morning, then listen and read of Christ. Let's stand to our feet and let's read together Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 16. Give careful attention. This is the word of God. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, And twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. And they began to salute him. Heal. King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed. And spitting on him. And kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him. They stripped him of the purple cloak. And put his own clothes on him. And they led him out. To crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. 
they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Amen. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. Let's come to God in prayer again. Let's pray. Our great and our glorious God, we come into your holy presence at this time of need. Lord, we ask that you would equip us and enable us to hear your word. May it be that it would be that tonic to our souls this morning. May we as believers see you in all of your glory. May indeed we see you as our great God. And may it be this morning that some would see you for the first time. Lord, we ask for both preacher and hearer alike. Help us. Give us ears to listen. And may it be that what we hear, we would take and do what you have called us to do. And that is indeed to be salt and light in the world where you've placed us. Lord, be with us. Encourage us from your holy word. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. This morning you may be beginning to turn to the book of Mark. I will have you stop and turn to the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 41. These past two weeks for some have been a very dark and hard trial. For those who are in the midst of it, fear can come upon us. For those perhaps who are on the outskirts, fear also may be something that rises up within us. And so this morning... I thought I would preach a one-off sermon, not my norm, but yet something as a congregation, as a body that I believe we need to be encouraged this morning and to see our great God. And so please turn with me to the prophet Isaiah, 
into chapter 41. And we're going to read together verses 10 through 14. Isaiah 41, beginning at verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who, who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Amen. This is God's holy word. In his first inaugural speech in 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt, the newly elected President of the United States of America, this great nation in which we sit on this morning, Addressed, addressed the people who were still reeling from that great depression which had taken place. And hoping, with all hope, to ignite a more optimistic outlook regarding that economic crisis and the things that were going on in the world that day, said these words, The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. This morning I ask you, what are you afraid of? Children may be sitting and going, well, I'm afraid of spiders. I may be afraid of mice. And if you know me all that well, you know I'm not a big fan of rats. So that's one that I am fearful of. Some may be fearful of losing your parents. When you go on day trips to places and they're gone and you can be fearful you can be fearful of what tomorrow may bring. You may be fearful of your bank account. You may be fearful of your job. Fear often shows up in our lives when we, when we are at risk of losing something. Like I said, perhaps your wealth. Perhaps it's your reputation, your position, your safety, your family even your health. It's in us to protect the things in life that are important to us. It's that desire to hunker in with me. But this morning, I want to show you 
that our fears should not be tried to be controlled by us. But we should entrust them into God's care and into God's control. When fear takes over, it cripples us. It can cripple us emotionally and it can cripple us spiritually. Come this Saturday, when we're giving out those little leaflets to those people or those invitations, perhaps at that point when we're about to knock on the door, fear will overcome us and we're afraid to tell others of Christ. You see, the remedy for fear is not you. The remedy for fear is to trust in our great creator. The the one who preserves. The one who is in control. The one who the Bible tells us over and over again is our protector and the one who provides for us. Trusting in the Lord is the cure for a fearful spirit. And as God's covenant people, throughout Scripture, we are commanded not to fear. Not to fear regardless of our circumstances. And I will be the first to put my hand up and admit that at times fear can cripple me. There are times when we wonder what tomorrow may bring. And as we lie on our pillow, our old eyelids do not close because of it. But as God's people, as God's covenant people, God has guaranteed us that he would help us. He has told us throughout Scripture that he would use difficulties and trials to do what? To strengthen us, to enable us, to show us that we need him this morning. Take heart, servants of God. All he has put you through will be to make you more and more like him and the one who loves you. This past week has been one of the hardest for some in this room. It's been hard for even those who aren't here this morning. And so as your pastor this morning, what can I say? Fear not. Behold your God. The people of God should not be a fearful people. That phrase, fear not or be not afraid, is found 146 times throughout Scripture. This morning I tried to print it and leave it on the back. If you want a copy, come see me. I can digitally send it to you. My printer wasn't cooperating. But 146 times the Word of God tells us, Fear not or be not afraid. The Word of God tells us that we are not to be anxious or troubled or worried or fretful about the things that are threatening our life and our happiness. Why? God. 
The mark of God's people is not to, as it were, incapacitate fear. We all fear. Let's not beat about the bush. We all do. But rather we are to come. Not in fear to God. But in confidence to our great God. We need not fear for the Lord remains our God. He will continue to be with us. He will continue to strengthen us. He will continue to help us. And he will continue to uphold us. This morning, brethren, behold your God. Behold him in all of his splendor, in all of his majesty. This morning, as we open up this passage, we're going to do so under three headings. His promised presence. His promised protection. And then thirdly, his promised provision. His presence, his protection, his provision. God makes no mistakes. These past few weeks, I've been reading through Isaiah. And Isaiah up to this point has been somewhat hard to read and then as we come around the corner in chapter 40 if you actually turn there Isaiah 40 verse 1 he says comfort comfort my people says your God what does a pastor bring to his people when they're going through hard and difficult times it's not something that tickles their ears or makes him look good no it's God And look at verse 10. Verse 10 is one of the great promises of all of Scripture. It's one that we should have written about our house, in our cars, on our phones, whatever it would be to remind us. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Here is a word of encouragement to his people. Because of their relationship with him, they need not fear. Their hope is not in casting off negative thoughts. When I shared this week to some people about Charlotte, their response was, oh, I'm sending positive thoughts. Their confidence that we read off here is not in positive thinking. It's in confidence in what God has promised for them. And God here gives five reasons as God's people that we need not fear. First of all, we should take courage because He, our God, is with us. This is the very foundation of confidence and everything that we can fix everything else in this world to. God is the very foundation for the believer. And if God is the very foundation, then we are able to stand firm on that rock. That rock that is unshakable. 
that rock that is able to withhold anything that comes, and we are able to stand firm on him against any trial, against any temptation, against anything that comes our way. Remember our God is with us. Perhaps when we think that God is absent and far from us, remind yourself of these things. Perhaps when we are in fear and we are being tossed about by every wind and every direction, and perhaps at times, if we're being honest, we distrust the things that God says, I urge you, stand firm. Do not waver. Stand firm on the foundation that is God who is with us. Temptations and trials and many things will come our way. But God is ever present. Even though we walk in the deepest, darkest, furthest valleys, perhaps that we think that where is God? He's right there with us. Never leaving us. Never forsaking us. 146 times we are told as believers, fear not or be not afraid. Our Lord Jesus promised his presence to us in Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Brothers and sisters, when you're filled with fear, remember the truth and shout it out loud. Fear not, for I am with you. In the middle of the night, when those storms are beating around and perhaps the wicked one is whispering in our ear, where is your God? Reply with, fear not. God is with me. God is that rock that I can hold on to. The one who I can stand firm on. Believer, this is your God. The second reason not to fear is because of our relationship with him. He is our God. You all sit there together. Some are a little bit closer than others, husbands and wives. Some are like, I need space from you. You're annoying me. I can see some laughing in the back. But as you sit there this morning, you sit alone. It's not me, myself, and someone else. It's you. This morning I ask you, is he your God? Is he your God? If not, then run to the cross. Run to Christ this morning. But who is he? 
Who is God? Is he a helpless God? Is he a God that those, and I, I say it reverently, who's in the, in the clouds, as it were, sleeping and dotering? No. Your God this morning, if you're found in Christ, is the great I am. Every other being in the universe needs sustaining. He doesn't. He alone is self-existent, self, and by himself he completes himself. He is our God. He is the ruler, the creator, and the sustainer of everything that you see. Every atom that floats around or wherever it may be is in his control. The very breath that you enjoy this morning is his command to give it each time. Charlotte Faith this morning is in the hands of an almighty God. It is he who protects. It is he who sustains. Why? Because he is the great I am. At times we can be anxious. And at times we can be filled with fear. And that, that word anxious is like a head that is moving in every which way. It looks around in alarm. But this morning I am convinced as I've read this and even going through our Sunday school lessons and and things that we're reading at the minute, that if we could truly see God as, as an awesome as he truly is, most of our fears would vanquish because we would see our God. This week I urge you, read Isaiah 40 and 41. And like I say here on a Sunday night when we do Psalm 119, Read it slowly. Read every word meticulously. And see your God. Isaiah 40 verse 10 says this. Behold the Lord comes with might. And his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him. And his recompense before him. The Lord comes with might. It's not as some people would say this little feeble being. No, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. He reduces rulers of the earth to nothing. He judges the earth because he is the one. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. I will live without fear because God is with me. I will not be dismayed. Why? Because he is my God. That's your God. The mighty one. The one who is in control of all things. And God next gives us assurance that what? He will strengthen, he will help, and he will support us. 
since God, their God, is with them, believers, you can expect things from God. The promises and the word of God are there to do what? Not to read and frivolously put away. No, to cling on to in times like these. The promises are stacked one on top of the other. A God who knew that we would be weak and frail and we would fear has given us his word to tell us things about himself. He will strengthen us. He knows our weaknesses. You may be sitting there this morning thinking, well, I'm great. Take heed. All it takes is one phone call. All it takes is one doctor's visit. All it takes is life to be removed from your lungs. And then we realize that we are weak. But yet he is strong. See, not only will he strengthen us, but he will help us. And not only will he strengthen and help, but he will also uphold us. Hebrews tells us, and I can't wait to pass or guess to this passage. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God's not like us. There are times when people annoy us or they rub us up the, the wrong way. What do we do? Some people will go on their social media and they will unfriend them. They will block them from being able to see things. They will block their phone number to be able to reach them. They will, as it were, shun them as they walk through the streets, but not God. God will never unfriend us, even though at times we do things that are stupid. Even though at times we sin and we do things that are, are against his word. No, his promise to those who are found in Christ is that he will help us. He will strengthen us. He will be that helper. God is upholding you this morning. At times we don't get these things in our language. But uphold means to, to grasp or support. The idea is similar to that word undergird, which means to secure underneath. God is holding us. God is sustaining us. His righteous right hands denote rights actions in all circumstances. Thus God's great power and his right hand will do the wonderful things for a suffering people. This past week, we cried unto God for that little one and he heard the prayers of his people. We cry on for different circumstances and he hears us and he answers us. And at times, he doesn't. Yet he's still a good God. 
Brothers and sisters, hold on to that truth that he upholds you even though at times you feel like you're barely holding on. It's not you holding on to God. It's God holding on to you. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. This morning we're, we're falling and, and as it were we're tripping over ourselves and it's Christ who lifts us up. It's God who sustains us by his mighty right hand. God gives us assurance of his strength in these verses. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This morning I ask, what are we fearful of? What are we fearful of? Only when we admit at times that indeed we are a fearful people, what does it do? It drives us to God. It drives us to the one who creates and sustains. This morning I urge you, run to him. See your God. Behold your God. See his strength. See his help. See his upholding you. And be encouraged, saints. This is your God. This is your God. And so secondly this morning, promise protection. At times we can be fearful of situations, but we can also be fearful of people. We live in a great land in these days when it seems everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And if we watch our news, we can become very fearful of what's going to happen. Remember your God. When we trust in God's presence and power, we're not only delivered from our fears and, our, and the trials and tribulations, but we're also delivered from fear of those who are our enemies. Those who perhaps we go and we knock the door and we say, here's a little invitation to come to church and they maybe give us a mouthful or they slam the door in our face. And we can be fearful. But we may not be. You see, these verses on verses 11 through 14 are specific for the promise of God's help and his defense. There are days coming when trials will come that perhaps we have never faced. If you're afraid of the dark valley experiences, remember that God's love will and has carried us through whatever problems we experience or we will. God is with us and God sustains us. He helps us and he, he, he shows us his love to us even when others do not. Some of you may work in situations that are trying. 
where standing up for your faith is difficult. Parents, you may be at that age where your children are starting to rebel against the things of God. We can become fearful. Just as we looked at in verse 10. Remember your God. Remember your God. Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Not just one or two pieces, but all of it. So that as believers we can ward off those fiery darts from the evil one. As we take up that shield of faith. As we learn to lean heavily upon God, no matter what scary circumstances that come along our way, God is with us. At times, even through trials, he wants to show us how greatly he loves us. If you're not in the practice of, I would encourage you to read autobiographies of men and women of days gone past. Who have lost loved ones. Some even have lost loved ones who were murdered by others for the sake of the gospel. And yet, as you read them, you're reminded of the love of God, God's goodness to work and to do His good pleasure in us. His grace is sufficient for whatever weakness or fear or feelings or deficiencies we may have. The Apostle Paul says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast of my weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I am dependent upon you, you God. Not your friend or your neighbor. Not even your spouse know when I am weak, God is strong. When I am at my lowest ebb and I wonder why, remember your God. God may not remove the afflictions from your life, but he will provide you with enough grace to demonstrate his power through you. There are many in this room this morning that can attest to that. Many of us have loved ones who are sick and ill. And yet here we are. His grace is sufficient. His grace. But do you believe that this morning? Is that valley, as it were, gets deeper and deeper and deeper. As that light, as it were, gets less and less. And it seems like the trial, as it were, is going to engulf you. Remember your God. Remember his sufficient grace. Remember that his power is made perfect in our weakness. 
Why? Point three, his promised provision. The reason for the deliverance is given in verse 13 that we read off there. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Look at verse 10, the last line. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. His right hand upholds you. And then look at verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. Put these two verses together and it presents one of the most powerful pictures in all of Scripture. It's that of a father and of a child. God is upholding you with his right hand. And with his left hand and your right hand, he is carrying you through each and every trial. That mighty hand that can defeat any enemy, that mighty right hand, the one who swats away all the trials that come. And yet in his left hand, he's holding on to you. He's walking with you each and every way. Dear child of God, we have an awesome father. We have a God who is so good and even in these, in these few verses shows us his love and his care for us, his children. He says, do not fear, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. When you first read that, you go, wow, am I a worm? You have to remember when these things were written. Worm is that reference to not only why they would find themselves in exile, but their condition there. The children of God would be feeble. They will be despised. They will be trodden upon. But even so, even so, God would help them. He would redeem his people. He would bring them from the circumstances that had been brought upon themselves. And so he does for us today. God is strong enough. He is compassionate enough. There is no other, no other being in this universe that is able to prevent him from carrying out his plan. We do not know what tomorrow will bring, but God does. And when we are feeling afraid or worried, it's time to realize that we're relying upon ourselves. Let fear, as it were, be like that warning light on the dashboard of your life. It's, it's warning you and it's telling you, get to God. These things you cannot do yourself, get to the one who can. The 
Apostle Paul says he comforts us in all our afflictions so that we are able to comfort those who are afflicted with the comfort we receive from God. You all are walking the Christian walk. And this morning, if you are in Christ, then Christ is shaping you and molding you. As members of this church, some have gone through afflictions that others could not even think about. But what will you do with them? He comforts us in all our comfort so that we are able to comfort those who are afflicted with the comfort we receive from God. We need to be comforting one another. We need to be there for one another. We are not islands. We are a community of God's people together. We are members of this body. We need not be afraid of being vulnerable as the Lord would have you do, as it were, stick your neck out for him. Perhaps it's uncomfortable. Just the other day, I went and bought some fish and one of the tanks had some turtles in it. And I stood there and I looked. And that little turtle, as cute as it was, never made any movement or any progress until what? It stuck its head out. All too many of us are stuck in our own little bubbles. We need, as it were, this morning to pop them and to see the needs of others in these days. When others are afflicted, draw alongside them. Encourage them. Pray with them. Pray for them. The Lord is my light and my deliverer. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom then shall I be afraid? Perhaps this morning you're wondering, well, maybe they don't want any help. No, they do. We all do. Perhaps at work you're thinking, man, I have that co-worker and I really should bring the things of God before them. Whom then shall I fear? Man or God? Shall I hide these things to myself? No, we need, as it were, to stick our neck out. We have a tendency to feel safe. We have a tendency to think, well, I'm okay. I don't want to rock the boat. That's not what God has called us to do. Even if we should suffer for what is right, we are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set Christ as the Lord of your life this morning. Perhaps some are sitting here and you think, well, if I become a Christian, then I have to give up all these things that I like. And... 
those things will not get you to heaven. Only saving faith in Christ will. Believer, what is that hope within you this morning? What is that hope that keeps you going? It should be Christ and Him crucified. How are we doing with our witness today? Perhaps we're fearful. Perhaps we're wondering what will happen. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. Conclusion. The next time you feel anxious, take a hold of God's word. The next time you're fearful, remember your God. He tells us time and time again that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He wants us to show our faith in these days. No matter what the Lord has called you to do this morning, trials, tribulations, dark valleys, whatever it may be, He, and He alone will give you the power and the wisdom to accomplish whatever comes your way. Trust in Him. Even when the storms are beating so hard that it feels like you can't even get a breath, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Trust in your God. Trust in your God. Some this morning are trusting on your own understanding. This morning you have every reason to be fearful. You have every reason to be fearful if you have not come to Christ. I asked this morning, what were you afraid of? Some may say, I fear no one or no thing. You should be afraid. In fact, you should be trembling in your boots right now. Why? Because there will come a day when all of us will give an account. There will come a day when the breath in your lungs that you enjoy now will be gone. And when that happens, when the judgment day comes, we will hear one of two things. Welcome, my son or daughter. Or depart from me, I never knew you. Hell is real. Hell is a real place. 
This week, a dear brother in this church sent me a video on preaching. And it hit me right between the eyeballs. That preaching is more than just doing a fine work of exegesis or getting the grammar correct. That is good. But preaching is about life and death. Heaven and hell. It's urging men and women, boys and girls. It's pleading with men and women, boys and girls. It's at times, like me, weeping over men and women, boys and girls. It's appointed unto man once to die. All of us in this room this morning will die. The Bible tells us that after that, the judgment come. Young men and young women, those who are in Christian homes, do not spurn these things. You've been sitting for months, for years, and yet each time that we close with the benediction, gone. It may sound harsh, but I pray that for some of you this day that you will find no rest until you find Christ. Where do you run this morning when you're fearful? Do you run to mom and dad? Do you run to your friends? If you're old enough, do you run to your social media accounts? I urge you this morning to run to Christ. Run to the cross of Calvary. There you will find the one who is our hope. The one who this morning we can come in confidence and say, he is our God. But where is your hope? Where is your hope this morning? Run to Christ. Run to the Savior and then the promise of his presence will be yours from that day forward and for all of eternity. You know, our trials may never leave us. Our tribulations may be with us to the very day that we die. But then there's heaven. Then there's that wonderful place where the Lamb is, where we go, where there is no more tears, where there is no more pain, no more suffering, and where we can sing as we are in a few moments, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in God's excellent word. What more can be said than to you he hath said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. The hymn writer says, Fear not, I am with thee. O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, 
the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with thee, thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume me and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert it to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. Christian, that is our God this morning. A God who will never forsake us. Amen. Let's come to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in praise and in adoration for indeed the great God that you are. Even this morning we are reminded from your word that you are the one who strengthens and helps and you are the one who in your right hand upholds us and with your left hand you hold us. Lord, you indeed are a great God, worthy of praise and worthy of honor. And this morning we ask that all of us would see you as the great God that you are. Lord, again, we ask for those that, whose eyes and ears are closed to these things. Lord, in mercy this day, save souls. May it be even as the benediction is closed and we leave this service that for some, indeed, they would find no rest this day until they find rest in you, the great God that you are. Lord, we do thank you that you provide for us each and every day for the meal that we will enjoy together as God's people down below. We pray that it would be a, a time of fellowship and encouragement one with another. Lord, we thank you for our, the many temporal blessings and for that food. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless it to our bodies and that you would take of our thanks for it. For we ask all these things in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. As we close our worship this morning, we are going to sing together hymn number 80. Hymn number 80, we're going to sing it to a more familiar tune. Um, we do not repeat the last line. I repeat, we do not repeat the last line. And so let us stand and to our feet and let us sing to our great God, hymn number 80, How Firm a Foundation.
great sin. <laughs> Thank you. People of God, receive the Lord's blessing from his holy word. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.